right. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Backstage Banter. Hi, Sean. Wait, let me open up my um, cocktail. Oh, that's right. We're doing it. We did really well last week when you had a cocktail. So we should keep, we should keep no, that. No, I got um, a text from Emmy because she listens to us because she's like, I miss you guys. It's like I just like sit and talk to you all. She called me out on my pina colada brain, two tons, dolphin comment. She goes, the math's not mathing, Sean. And I was like, wait, I had to Google and correct myself. She was right. I was wrong. And she like literally texted Kaylee in our little group chat. I'm listening to Sean on a pina colada and he's wrong. And I was like, yeah, I, love I was it. wrong. I'm, I'm sorry. So a ton hey. is 2000 pounds. I was thinking a ton was a thousand pounds. So a dolphin is anywhere between 800 to 1600 pounds. There you so go. technically, but an orca is from 3,000 pounds to 6,000 pounds. And an orca is technically a dolphin. So really my statement is true. It's just people weren't thinking um, as technical science as I was in biology and how orcas are dolphins. They're the largest dolphin in the dolphin family, which would have been two tons or three tons or four tons. But you know what? Here nor there. And we've already established that we are not the podcast of facts. So I, we will correct ourselves. We will correct wrong. ourselves. Yes. So a small correction corner. Sorry, guys. A ton is 2,000 pounds. If anyone's taking a science quiz. <laughs> they get it wrong on a test. They blame us. <laughs> That's very typical. Yeah, they'd be like, well, I heard on a podcast. Da, 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 da. I was yeah. like, on a ballet-ish podcast about the, the size of an, a dolphin. Right. So but now we all know it's 600 pounds to 1,600 pounds. is the size of a normal bottle bottlenose dolphin the other species range from like 300 pounds like the letter little little spinner dolphins up now we don't need to get into this but my googling did correct me (laughs) okay that's good so the exciting thing this week is so many of you wrote in so we're gonna have to have a an email corner or something should we just start with them maybe we should start with them Let's just start with them because we always put them off and like they're like the stepsister of the group. Let's just start with the stories and the emails. Okay. I hear Sean talk about Paul and the other people he lives with, but who are they? Oh, <laughs> the dogs, Jojo and Dexter. She also says, I'm also watching the Hunger Games and for some reason, Finnick O'Dare reminds me of Sean. I'll take it. I will yes. take it. That's amazing. Yep. That's funny. No, Paul's my boyfriend, my, my significant other. Yes. Whatever at this point, six years later. Six years? Has it been six years? Yeah. Wow. And the other people must be the dogs, Jojo and Dexter. Yeah, I think the other, the if we talk about the boys, it's dogs. Yeah, the boys are my two dogs. I wonder if they think Kaylee or Caitlin live here too. Maybe. It's not like a, we don't have like a frat house going on, like a sorority frat house, like, or a dorm situation. It's just us. Yes. But yeah, that's funny. Kaylee yeah. is Sean's dear friend who um, <laughs> came with him to both of my weddings. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and we did the flyby in Miami, which we just talked about the other day, which I have a story yes. about that. Okay. That just let's let's happened, stop there. But... Oh, yeah. You saw me do slaughter. That's right. Yeah. And we did like less than 14, 15 hours to come see your first show of slaughter. That's right. We like, yeah. Because, okay, so story about that. So we, me and Kaylee do crazy shit. 
involving travels because we're poor artists and we're not bougie like you and we're not members of any kind of mileage yet. <laughs> like you have your Delta Elite. Yeah. We're like flying by the seat of our pants and whatever's the cheapest way we'll go. Yeah. And so, yes, we went to see you do Slaughter in Miami for your first show back in, in the company. And we rigged it up because of our work schedules that we literally were in travel and in Miami for, we found out like less than 15 or 16 hours total. It was because insane. we flew in mad early that morning. Then we, I think, did we meet you and your parents for lunch or something mm -hmm. then? Mm hmm. And then you went back and, and, and did and like whatever. We like hung out. We had like drinks. And then we saw your show. We couldn't sleep though because our flight was like at midnight or something mm. after the show. We saw the show. It was like, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was a very like there was like a no sleep for at least 48 hours because of the schedule, but it was well worth it. And we would do that again in a heartbeat. But on that backstory, we were flying. So last week we didn't record because I, I was gone for the week in Orlando for mine and Kaylee's birthday trip that we did. To Which Walt I want to hear all about. I, we got stories. Um, but we flew out Sunday night at 10 p.m. landing at midnight or like 1230 like me and Paul did. Kaylee was going to fly out at the same time from Texas where she lives and she was going to land like 30 minutes after us. We land. And I text her saying, hey, we just landed. And she goes, I was just about to text you. I go, oh, you must be here early because you're texting me. That's odd. Next sentence, I haven't taken off yet. Oh, no. I was like, oh, no, what happened? She's like, well, the toe broke one time and then we broke the windshield another time. So they just reboarded and they were about <gasps> to take off again. And I was like, OK, so I Googled how long that flight is, like three hours. She said, we're about to take off. I'm like, OK, well, it's like midnight here. So you're going to be here in three hours, which would be like three o'clock. So she like landed at 3 a.m. And Paul was like, wait, when is she landing? I go like 3 a.m. It's fine. And he's like, I'd rather die. I'd rather die. I was like, yeah, I think we have to do the park at 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. until closing. You know how I roll. And mm -hmm. and uh, so it was just uh, she landed. I was I was like, well, here's the info for the Airbnb because I'm going to try and sleep a little bit like so you can get in. He said, great. For some reason. I woke up around like 3.30, 3.45. I was like, something's wrong. And luckily, because Kaylee sent me a text, hey, did you guys lock the door? I can't get in or something's happening. The code's not working. And I, she texts like at 3.30, 3.45. I like just looked right after it was sent. And so I like went downstairs to let her in. But she was, if I didn't have woken up, she was like, I can't get the door open. She would have been she stuck. She would have been outside. I like, oh, <laughs> Kaylee. So she, she's like, so I couldn't sleep. So like the next morning, she's like, we're like, what time do you go to bed? She was like, like 4.30, 4, 45, 5. And I woke everyone up. I woke Ugh. everyone up at 7. Ugh. 7, 7.30. Mm. So she ran. So she did a whole park day on like three hours. That's rough. Sleep. That is rough. She was fine. Unfazed. And then Paul had like six hours. He's like, God, I'm so tired. I was like, we've done way worse. It's fine. No problem. Did you have a good trip yeah. though? Yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, Caitlin was down visiting her family. She lives from Orlando. So she just came and joined us two out of the four days. And Caitlin, when we talk about Caitlin, she is Sean's colleague at Valley Met. Yes, yes. She she's is my one partner of their, in crime. Like, yeah. She's, their, she's one of our principals. Um, mm -hmm. And she is my partner in crime for the AGMA union rep. Mm -hmm. But no, we were there. It was great. I mean, the park was mad empty this week or that week. And I guess all summer, they're... 
the Disney parks are very empty. And so That's we weird. did Hollywood Studios the first day, which used to be MGM. Then we did the next day, we did Epcot. Then we did Animal Kingdom. Then we did Magic Kingdom. It was it was fun. It was definitely a ride. It was, I, I don't think everyone was as aware of, I'm unfazed by everything involving Disney and, and theme parks. And uh, some people, the heat gets them a little more than me. And the long, and uh, Paul didn't realize we were going to be like from start to finish at parks. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be start to finish. Like, I'm going to make, I don't even have to do anything to park. I can sit on a bench in one of the theme parks and I'm like happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like you, like, we like just like walking through and like the yeah. atmosphere, taking the, the smells, the vibe, the experience. Like when you and I went to Disneyland recently, we sa- we found like the Mr. White Rabbit statue and just sat next to the white, or like for the parade or something, didn't we? Or oh something? yeah, for Electric Light Parade. Yeah. And we also, we had, we like sat down for like snacks. It was like yeah. so pleasant. Yeah. That's we were right we're by at. Alice in Wonderland, right mm-hmm. across from like Matterhorn, like a nice little quiet corner. Yep. No, it was, it was a blast. Um, Paul hadn't been since high school, like since high school one day but like elementary school really Kaylee's never been I haven't been to Disney World since junior high really Mm -hmm. um Caitlin hasn't been for years uh so it was it was cool and it was interesting to see how like it's all changed from like then and now because when's the last when's the last time you went to Disney World like it's been a few years but I we used to go every year because we would drive yeah um that's when I grew up at I think it's been the last time was probably with Riley, and it was maybe four or five years ago now. When you got recognized by Chipper Dale, the time you oh, got recognized? Oh, that was a that- time before. That was a time, but that was a long time ago. That's why I was still oh, okay. at City Ballet. But no, it's been a while now, because now I've, I literally <laughs> live 20 minutes from Disneyland. I my know, house amazing. is like, the drive from my house to Disneyland is not even 20 minutes. It's I will say, <laughs> I prefer Disneyland yeah. still. Now I'm appreciating it. Yeah. I prefer Disneyland if you're just talking about the magic, like the, the magic kingdom, like the mm-hmm. castle, the mm-hmm. castle park, a, a theme like the magic kingdom park, because Disneyland, because, are we going to talk Disney history now or should we, should we, should we go back to emails first before we get too <laughs> sidetracked? No, let's say this and then I'll go back to emails. Okay, I prefer Disneyland if I'm just wanting to do a magical castle park experience because it is much more concise. You, It is much more uh, low-oriented in the park, you know? Like, now that you've been to Disneyland, a good, like, you're pretty good around that park. You know that map. Mm-hmm. Compared to the Disney World Magic Kingdom map, which has a lot of extra loop and dupes around, mm-hmm. both parks were created walk. Walt created a wheel with a hub in the middle to make it so you could easily maneuver around and things flowed comfortably. And it, it just kind of was like, here's your center point, your home base. And you spoke out from the magic to the different worlds and lands or whatever. Disneyland was made in its allotted spot, no extra room. Like it is, they purchased that land in Anaheim and that's what it is. So anytime Disneyland is updating or adding new things, they have to wipe out something to replace it. That makes they sense. They can't, they don't have extra space beyond that boundary to extend. Mm. So, but Disney World, because they realized that was kind of their, 
biggest issue in Disneyland. They and the Swampland was so cheap for them because they bought it secretly without people knowing they were Disney purchasing all that land and mm-hmm. jacking up the price. So it was still fair market price when they were purchasing. In return, they made that Magic Kingdom still in that wheel shape originally with the hub and the lands around it. But they had extra room and extra space. So when they were expanding or adding new things to it, they could plop things randomly. So then it makes it so you have to go up and around and down to go to something else that was newer. So like things that weren't opening day attractions there or weren't in the very clear near future that were pre-planned. are kind of like wonky like yeah. you know like like big thunder is kind of it's way in the wrong yeah it's you like have to go annoying. up and around yeah. and 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 same with like which was splash Mountain, which now will be the uh tiana's bayou and also even the like haunted mansion is kind of off yeah it's kind of like, off flopped yeah random and then mm-hmm. now when you and like fantasy land especially because they push that out so much it's like you have like the main fantasy land area that strip but then you have now what they added, which used to be the 20,000 Leagues Out of the Sea submarine ride, which mm-hmm. is now the Mine Train ride and Winnie the Pooh and their journeys of the Little Mermaid. And then it goes to that like circus area even restaurant. more. Yeah. yeah, the Be Our Guest restaurant, and which has two random castle chunks in the middle that you walk around to get behind. It's a little more randomly placed because they were plopping things in as they, they had the room to expand, but it wasn't as smooth. Yeah. So I feel like it's not as easy and comfortable to maneuver around and to kind of jump around or go with the flow. It is kind of a shotgun splattered a little bit more. And that's why they can keep expanding because they have the space. Yeah. It's kind of random, but yes. I mean, that's... So I love Disney World for the extra... Parks. Like I love Hollywood Studios. It's mm-hmm. probably my favorite one out of all of them. And Epcot now going as an adult for the first time. Right. A little. Yes. Loved Epcot. We had such a blast. They put a couple new rides in, like the Guardian of the Galaxy, like indoor roller coaster, which was stunning. Oh, I don't think I could do that one. I've heard that is like because I'm getting less and less being able to do roller coasters. Like even the last time we rode space like made me nauseous. So it's getting yes. worse. I don't think I could do the Guardians. I actually think you probably could because it's so smooth. And it is, uh, it, uh, we did the ride and we actually made sure we did it twice. So we like paid for the, the individual lightning lane. And then we did like somehow because the park was so empty, I got us standby line virtual queues at the end of the day. Wow. Like online because they just were some that opened up. And it was like so pleasant. You feel like you're floating because the roller coaster cars turn. Oh, so, oh, see, I don't know if that would go well. But it doesn't spin; it just turns side or side while you, w- to focus to focus you on something else because it's visual um, inside. So, yeah. like as you are going in a normal roller coaster, you would turn and bank a cr- turn, and you would feel it. Mm-hmm. This one swoops so like if i'm going and then we're about to turn left i'm gonna swoop and my car goes this way so i look where i'm going so it feels like you're kind of like sledding like a float yeah so you don't really get like a weird up and down thing Hmm. i would say do at least once to see but it but like paul's not good with coasters either and like caitlin is like questionable but yeah that was yeah so we had a great time Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Carrie, for your question. And um, 
thinking that Sean looks like Finnick O'Dare. That's kind of cool. I'll take it. Um, okay. Another one from Lydia. Seriously love the podcast. It's so lighthearted and always makes me smile and laugh. I'm a professional dancer slash teacher in Northeast Ohio. And I was wondering if you have any tips on negotiating contracts for guests performing. Any baseline things performers should know? That's a really good question. That is the worst situation. Mr. Lawyer. Tell us. (laughs) Well, you're the smart one and you have someone else do it. Yeah. Well, you you have your business associate, which is brilliant because then it mm-hmm. takes your association out. Yeah. It is the worst experience talking about money for guesting. It is. I would say the couple of things off the top of my head, make sure you're getting per diem. Um, make sure your fee, you think about the amount of rehearsal it's going to yes. take. Um, because like if, even if it's one or two shows, you think, oh, it's only one or two shows. How much are you rehearsing up for that show? And if, are you having to rent studio space to do it? Yes. Renting or studio costumes. space. Yeah. Cause you have even put in contracts. They will pay for the costume rental. That is my new standard. Yes. Is that costumes are, because I know I usually, like I rent almost always from PMB because mm-hmm. At Bally Met, for my first guy here, there was like a no rental. They wouldn't rent out single pieces for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and PNB, I know the wardrobe staff. They know me. I know I know exactly whose name I could say, and I could have something shipped to me. I knew it would fit. I knew it would look nice. I knew I could dance in it, and there would never be any issues. Like you know, the it's just cut and made really well from them. Mm-hmm. And because I'm from there, I got like that nice, uh, like dancer discount. So like, I'm like, I know I'm going to rent from them. So I know I have to have that covered because the worst is showing up to a gig and they say they're giving you a costume and it's like not an option. Yeah. Either or it's ugly. You, or you think they're going to give you a costume and you show up and they don't. Yeah. No. So I would say the biggest thing is, yeah, like you said, how much rehearsal time is going to go in and know your worth, like mm-hmm. know your worth and I hate it because we all know the arts has no money. And so you're like, you're trying to be nice. And you know, like if it's a small, like, like depending on like where you're going from, like who's guessing, it's like, isn't like the worst experience. It's the worst Mm -hmm. situation. Yeah. Because if you really think about it, like the amount that we deserve to get for what we're doing is like nothing compared to a normal person's job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I would say probably per show minimum is $500 per show. Mm-hmm. minimum mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah because you're probably being asked to do some kind of principal-ish role yeah and if you're having to dance with either someone that you're not regular dancing with like another person that could be a student or not as experienced or whatever or you know you are coming in and you could be dancing on like a, like we've we've experienced ice rinks many of times yes you know or like maybe you are coming with a partner but i would say minimum per show five hundred dollars I think also if you have a title, like a lot of core members can get seven fifty a show. Soloists, mm-hmm. you could get a thousand to fifteen hundred. Principals can get more. So your title also can help you out in terms of negotiation. And if you're in a company, like figure out what other people are getting for their gigs and say, well, you know, my at my ballet company, we get da 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 for per show. You know, find out yeah. what everybody else is getting too. But for sure, make sure your costume is paid for. E- either 
your rentals or whatever, make sure that your flights and room and board are yep. paid for and make sure your room and board is somewhere that you can actually rest, that you would feel yes. comfortable staying at. <laughs> so if they say like, whatever, <laughs> like, right? That's a big deal. Yep. I have a story. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but like, it's a real thing. Like, like it's it's nice. Like they could say like, oh, we have a donor house or whatever. That's great. But if you don't feel comfortable staying with a random family, then say no. And that's completely valid. And like, you know what? Like, I don't feel comfortable for that because I, for going into shows, like I want to prepare. Like I need this. That's completely valid. Or like, yeah, no problem. Of course, that's no problem. Like one time me and Megan stayed in the making a murderer town in a <laughs> random empty house that they gave us. Yeah. Because they were out of town. Come to find out we were randomly there and the owners came home and then left again. And we're like, okay, that's odd, but whatever. But only because we were a pair did we feel okay with that, you know? Right. Like I stayed with your and Chris's very good friends in California. Lovely. So fun. I'm, But I'm weird and I'm comfortable with anything. Mm-hmm. I also will stay like in a trash hotel too. Well, within reason. Well, I think, you know, you have to try and get your travel and 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 accommodations paid for because you can often blow through your paycheck just on that. Um, but yeah, make sure that you research the hotel ahead of time. I did a Nutcracker gig years ago, not anything recent, where we were in this like literally motel where in a rough part of town where I had to put a chair under the door handle to bar myself in because I was so uncomfortable. But I was younger and I didn't know to like check these things. I was in yeah. early 20s. And so, yeah, I've, I literally like, put my like lodge my chair under the doorknob because I was so uncomfortable. So make sure you're yeah. So that's something that I didn't think about. So make sure. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it either until mm -hmm. after me and Megan were at Monotowoc. Right. And then we saw that Netflix documentary later on. And like, like, oh, like, wait. <laughs> text and she goes, did you see this yet? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I was like, I should probably care where I stay from now on, just in case. Oh. But yeah, I would say flight is important, room and board is important, costumes important, and how much rehearsal is going into it. And know your worth. Know that like if you know you give like high professional quality, like real professional ballet quality, then you deserve that amount because that's why they're hiring you. And if they don't feel that you're worth it that's fine let them find someone cheaper that might look worse yeah and if you are also a teacher you can maybe negotiate your fee for a little bit higher if you offer to do a master class yes so teach a master class and then you'll be able to like negotiate your fee a little higher we did that in arizona i remember yes, doing we did. That. yes we did we we guested and then we taught one day mm-hmm or two days, something like that. It was after the show. And it was great because the kids were in the show with us. And mm -hmm. then they took Most class of them. from us the next yeah. day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I taught them square dance. Yeah, you did. I watched you. Yeah, I taught I taught them for like variations class. Like I taught them the court, the girls dance of square dance, which I thought was smart, right? Yes. Great. Okay. From Hannah, dear Katie and Sean, after listening to this week's podcast episode, I felt compelled to share my first ballet experience with you. For context, I have never danced a day of my life. I started riding horses at age six, and that has been my main activity for the past 22-odd years. However, at some point during lockdown in 2020, the YouTube algorithm suggested Katie's videos to me as a happy coincidence, and I was hooked. 
Oh, that's so lovely. Anyway, she said the past this past weekend I went to see Boston Ballet perform Sleeping Beauty. It was the first oh, ballet stunning. Right? It was the first ballet I have ever attended. And in the back of my mind was Katie and Sean's advice that Sleeping Beauty is not the best first ballet to see <laughs> because it really doesn't have a storyline. True. I'm happy to report I thoroughly enjoyed the performance and I actually think listening to you two for so long helped me appreciate the performance even more. During the first intermission, my friends who had also never seen a ballet before were asking questions about the first act and in particular the Rose Adagio. I was able to answer all their questions so the point where they to the point where they asked me, did you used to dance? I started laughing and explained that I had learned all this by watching your YouTube videos. Intermission ended before I could tell them about the podcast. So thank you, Sean and Katie, for making my first ballet experience so enjoyable and making me look like a ballet genius to my friends. That's amazing. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, Hannah. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I never thought we're that legit. We're so legit, Sean. We're so legit. Our talking (laughs) is legit and educational. Yes, look at us. Look (laughs) at us. Oh, I'm glad she had a good experience. One, yes. Boston Ballet, Sleeping Beauty, I'm sure stunning. Like, yes. I want to know who she saw. I wonder what cast she saw. I hope she saw Derek Dunn because that boy is, yeah, Derek. He yeah, is I was about to say, unreal. Unreal. And he's one of the nicest people. Um, I've had the privilege of meeting him a few times and lightly getting to know him. Like, he's a good acquaintance and so yes. sweet. And Oh, he's such a doll. For being that beautiful, it's like not fair. Like yeah. I like, can you be like a douchebag or something, please? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, but, so I. But but then you're like, oh, you're really nice and that good, and then you're like, oh, God, God really must hate me because I don't have half that. <laughs> and you got like, what everyone wants, like beautiful and nice, like great. And I I saw pictures of Boston Ballet's Sleeping Beauty on Instagram and it looks like everything you want a Sleeping Beauty to be. Like yes. it looks like beautiful. Yeah. So that's awesome. Um I literally have seven more emails, but I'm only going to read one more today. We'll save the rest for next time. You guys were amazing this week. So, thank you. Um okay. So, this one's from Amelia. She actually wanted to work with you. I think I forwarded it to you. Yes, I had to get back. Sorry, I was gone last week. I have a couple emails and messages I need to get back. You guys will hear from me. Yes. She has yes. a quick story that one of my dance teachers told me about several years ago that I thought would be a fun addition to the podcast. At my studio in Nutcracker, we have Russian candy canes. It's usually performed by three female dancers with very long red ribbons. So do we, actually, in ours. Here. It is a lot of fun, especially with the ribbon added to the choreography. Well, this particular year, my teacher was on stage in the Russian candy canes, and somehow the ribbon wrapped around her neck in the middle of the dance. She had to keep going and simultaneously try to continue with choreography as well to try not to choke. Luckily, the dance is not too long and she was able to get through it without any major issues. Do you or Sean have any good prop fail stories? Tons. I'm not built for props. No, I'm not either. I hate props. Hate, 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 hate. I mean, tons. I mean, in Stars and Stripes, when they throw the baton at you from the wing, that's pretty terrifying. I was a short girl. They and did the, that for you. The, the short girl regiment, the stage manager, halfway through the dance, the stage or the stage hand or the stage manager, somebody throws the baton at you from the wing, and you have to catch it. It's part of the choreography. And it as it passes the light, you you can't see it just by the the what's happening yeah. with the lighting. Uh-huh. So you kind of have to catch it blind. 
that was my most terrifying pop experience. I never missed it once. I always caught it. No, don't sign me up for that ever. Yeah, that was that was terrifying. Um, I think what are the uh, like Juliet? There's always like 800 props with the bottle and the dress and the this and the that and the. That's always rough. What other prop stories? Oh, a snow snowflakes. Fun fact for snowflakes. City Ballet, we have the pom-poms. Mm-hmm. And you are literally taught in rehearsal, if they get stuck together with your own or someone else's, drop them. Don't try and wiggle them free. Don't try and stand there and fight. If you get caught on somebody or yourself, let go. It's better to have them fall to the stage and you keep going than you try and wrestle them apart. Do you guys practice with them beforehand in the studio ever or no? No. Just, just on, on the stage. stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I have a lot of prop fails. We can start from the beginning. I was a PD. No, I wasn't even a PD. I was in school, per usual, doing a PD company role. And it was for Vols, uh, LaVals. Mm. I was death's assistant. Uh-huh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. I got thrown in last minute because the other death's assistant tore his tendons in class like that day. And yes. I was in that class when it all happened. And so they said, Sean, we're going to put you in for death's assistant. Like, here you go. You stand here. You do this. I was like, great. Smart kid can do it. No problem. Death's assistant is like hands, holds old props for death for the girl, the white, the girl in the white. What's her name? Is, is this called the girl in white? I think it's just the Laval, Laval's principal. I think, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they're listed in the program. I can't remember. But the, yeah. the girl in the white dress, the, yes. that one. Yes. The principal. And so I was like, okay. I was going through my little thing list. I was holding it. I had everything on my little tray, which is like flowers, a necklace, silk gloves, and the dress cover on the mirror. Because we should say, if you've never seen LaValse, death comes out and puts all these things on her. And as the more she puts on, the faster she dies or something, right? Isn't that what you it is? I, I don't actually know what happened. I just know what I had to do. <laughs> I, well, thought she she, through- I, I thought death kills her. I thought she dies. Yeah, but like you put the gloves on and that takes the life out of her. She puts a necklace on that takes the life yeah. out of her. And finally, it's the dress. He's like sedu- seducing yeah. her down to like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's who, a whatever. very weird ballet. But yes, go on. Death. Girl in white. Death's killing girl in white by putting things on her. Mm-hmm. Holding all this shit backstage. I loaded it all up just like I was told at half hour call because that's what I was. That was my rehearsal was half hour call. I have it on my little body. And then the principal man who was doing it wanted just to walk through the hand a little bit real fast. And I was like, that's fine. Whatever. Like valid. I would want to do the same thing. So I'm holding it. And he was trying to make sure he knew exactly where everything was going to be when he takes it to make it all smooth okay, we're trying loading things back on than me to carry out. We walk out and I'm missing something. Oh no. <laughs> That's like the whole ballet. As I'm holding, because I, I I was holding it and he was putting everything back on and I was like, no, 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 okay, he knows better, whatever. I think I missed the flowers. Oh dear. That's a big one. Because that's how she like, and then she starts the dancing, right? That's mm-hmm. when she like goes downhill. So mm-hmm. it was literally, I was holding it and as everything was getting put on, I go, oh, my God, I'm missing. Like, I knew at the end, like, I'm missing it. Because he looked at me, like, wide-eyed. So he just, like, held up the mirror again. And she, like, looked at herself and grabbed her pearls. And, like, it was fine. No one said anything to me. I think that principal man did. And the principal woman was like, it was no problem. I just, like, looked at the mirror. It was fine. I was like, thank you for being nice. Yeah. Who was the principal was- woman? We should thank her. Do you remember who it was? Oh, I think it was Carla. 
Oh, was it? Sounds like I think Carla. I think it was yeah. Carla. She doesn't care. No. Um. So there was that that fail. Then I forgot the peacock carrying out the peacock cage like that. We've got happened. we've heard that one. Yeah. That one. Okay. Then we moved <laughs> on from that one. That's whatever. And then another one. It was like we were doing the world premiere of Giselle at PNB of the restaging of the original like mm-hmm. annotated from music note step thing that Doug Fullington did from like history. Mm-hmm. So like everyone was in the audience for our opening because we were like the like it was like an original like the original right without Demi Point Chenet though we didn't like pull like a Romanski. We were in second act, and I'm of course like dopey, the one that has to like count the twelve chimes and look scared okay. of like all like the groups. Yeah, we all have capes on. Capes are terrible, and you know how there's like bushes, like those cattail bushes on the sides for like Giselle to like peek through. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have like lanterns and capes, and I'm a mess. And this is the point I was like about to leave P and B. Everyone, ha- I hated everyone. Everyone hated me. Like everyone's just mean. I didn't want to talk to anyone. So it was like, fend for yourself, Sean. And so we're doing this and we're like shuffling back and forth. And it was literally as we like walk out all scared, my cape billows and takes down the bushes. Oh no. And of course it happens to me. The one that like everyone's mean to. That everyone always already uses the whipping boy there. Oh. And so, of course, and it was like, we walk out all scared and the cape's like billowing behind me and it goes whoosh. I was like, why was there no weight on that? Why was that plant not weighted down for Jesus? If it's that important. So then it was like, oh, my eyes got so big. And I was like, I, sh- I, I can't handle props anymore. Uh. I've had other bad experiences. And then it was like a mad dash of like, what do we do? Because that it was the one that she has to like peek through. Mm. So, like, as we go over and we, like, look side to side after I count the 12 chimes, it was, like, I run over holding a lantern and I, like, take my cape and open it up a little bit. And, like, three men dive down to try and lift and put up the bush again, which they did. I covered it, whatever. The next night, though, those things were weighted down for Jesus. Mm-hmm, a bit. But everyone was, like, John, look where you're going. I was, like, I was. It was my cape. It was wider than my body. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. it's live theater. Shut the f- up and don't be a douchebag. Yeah. Do you have any prop fails at Phantom? Like, I know the chair sometimes wouldn't work at the end. And like, oh, do I have? Because um... I have one more good prop story. It's not me. It's another company that uh, that was notorious. But at I want... Phantom. I was good with. Oh <gasps> no! Yes. <laughs> okay, so at Phantom, okay. <laughs> at Phantom, my spot, the two boys swap back and forth between like the Slave Master track and the uh, Masquerade Man Woman Dancer track. Mm-hmm. So when you were like doing like the Hannibal Slave Master Principal Soloist, you did you didn't dance in Masquerade. You did like the serving man. Mm-hmm. Somehow at Phantom, I found every single hole in that stage possible on and off stage to fall in because I'm a klutz all 150, 170 folds. So I'm doing the server boy holding all the glasses. And we know I'm not a stable person normally. So like, this is not going to go well. I remember I was literally uh, like walking and I almost went down like on like in the back of the stage. Fine. But then this, the serving boy, I had to walk across the front 
So I remember standing in that front wing by like where that rope is for the curtain. And of course, out of, and this has gone on for so many years and no one's ever thought about this, I'm sure, until I hit it. I'm standing there, Christine and Raul are behind me. And of course, it's Mary Michaels and Jeremy, the ones that giggle for Jesus and like break and make me laugh on stage, like the fun ones. Mm-hmm. So I like, I'm standing there holding the tray with my glasses. I take a sidestep to my left because I remember it was my left foot in the hole. The hole that the rope of the curtain that goes down and up, that's where my foot went. In literally the space that like just your foot fits because it's just a box for the rope to go down and come up. And then of course my glasses fall. Yikes. Oops. And then I remember Mary Mac was like, how? Like she just like looked at me and she was like, I didn't even know there was a hole there (laughs) as I'm like up to my ankle in a hole on and then, like, they're trying to put the glasses back on my little tray. That's hmm. my worst prop fail at Phantom, I think, is that. Everything else at Phantom was, like, okay. I don't, I don't, I didn't forget anything else. But it was, that was bad. I mean, I fell. My foot got stuck in my costume on Phantom during a, pot, a step over turn. And I, like, went down like a tree on my very first show. Oof. But that's it, yeah. The, but it was scary changing into the, the death, uh, the red death costume because you do all that in the back behind the stairs in darkness Mm. in like a minute and 30 seconds. And like the dressers just dress you. And then you have to go up in the elevator blind. Like you, the I couldn't see, you can't see that in that mask and then run down the stairs. I was always very scared running down those stairs as in the death costume. Cause the one who comes down singing is him, right? Yes. But then he disappears and then you rerun down the stairs and that's somebody else. Yeah. That would be me. Yeah. yeah. Or whoever did the serving boy at that time does that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the props yeah. are, you might've heard this story. ABT, not going to name names. There were, there was a child of one of the dancers who would sit backstage and really cute. And I think the child was two or three at the time during Corsair, you know, the garden scene with all the garlands. Remember I left during Corsair and That's I right. ran you up ran the street. Yet- so- Yes. I might have missed it. Okay. There's a dream scene. There's always a dream scene. There's always a dream scene in these battles. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. For anybody who's a non-dancer, there's always a dream scene. So there's a dream scene where he, the Pasha is dreaming of all of his wives in the garden, and they all have garlands. It's very Sleepy Beauty garland dance. But the prop master had, you know, there's always these big companies, especially there's always a prop master who painstakingly counts everything. Like all of us at City Ballet, too, we had these prop masters who were brilliant and everything was counted for. And there was a book. All the garlands were counted for at the top of the act or the top of the show or whatever. And they're put in a specific spot. Yes. It's like headpieces. There's a headpiece table and everybody's headpieces on the headpiece table with your name and the part. And it's very everything is meticulous. So they get to the garden scene. And they're missing two garlands. Turns out the two-year-old, unbeknownst to anyone, had run up to the table and stolen them and took them back to her mother's dressing room. And no one could find the garlands. No one had any idea where the garlands were. So they had two girls without garlands until she went back to, I think her brother was on that night. Her brother went back to the dressing room and found her daughter with the two missing garlands. She had stolen them. Which is kind of cute, but at the same time, like bad. Wow. But we were told that. I think it happened when I was in the company and somebody came in 
your company class the next day and was like, guess what happened at ABT last night? Because you were always like trying to yeah. friendly rivalry. But anytime something happened, we heard about it. So then this whole story was shared and we found it really funny. <laughs> Don't let the babies near the prompt table. So I'm going to leave the rest of the emails for next time because I actually have to teach in 15 minutes. So I think we should end with our book club. <laughs> I, still I have thoughts. I still haven't finished. Neither have I. Okay. I, I have th- four hours left. Three and a half hours <sighs> left. Okay. I'm better with it now. Okay, good. I got, I'm get, I got yeah. back on. Because now the story is so separated from anything of what I would expect it to be from the musical. Great. It's like a whole different story, a whole different book. Great. I actually really like her time at the castle with Fierro's widow and the sisters. Yeah. And actually, I want to read you a text from my assistant, Lexi. And she has read the Wicked book and she explained something to me. I got to find it. She said something and I was like, oh, that makes sense. So I will say when I was listening to it today at the gym and stuff and like yesterday, it I didn't catch that they swapped out calling out the alphabet and just started calling her the witch from oh. where I'm at in the book. Oh, interesting. Like she has taken on the name. Interesting. But it took me a little bit to, I think that's why I get so confused because some of these things just happen out of nowhere. Yeah. But I, so I'm okay with it, but it's intriguing now. I'm now past, wait, where, how far along are you? What's like the, what's happening? She's still at the castle with the sisters and the people. And I think she, she's trying to teach the monkey to talk. Yes. Chistery. Chistery. Yeah. 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 So here's what Lexi, Lexi said. This is really good. She says, I love the wicked book, but I just see it as an entirely different entity for the musical. For me, a key, a key to reading and understanding McGuire's writing style is to picture it less as a novel and more as a historian writing about real historical events. And if that any internal thought he describes comes from those historical figures, diaries, or accounts from other people. Okay. Yeah. I was like, all right, I see that. Thanks, Lexi. Because it does feel very choppy. So mm-hmm. maybe that does that makes a little more sense and more like a diary-based kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very choppy. I don't want it to be choppy, though, but it's very choppy. Yeah. No, I just got to the point that... Interesting enough, spoilers probably for you and everything else, but okay, right? We have no investment, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> I just got to the point that the broom flew, like the oh, broom, yeah. the, the, the broom is flying. Nor or the daughter mm-hmm. flew on the broom first, or oh. I remember her fly on the broom. She like found it and like did it. Also, it's intriguing to see that Glinda is the one who enchanted the jeweled shoes to help Nessa, not Alphaba. Interesting. And it was like her sorcery. Alphaba still has shown no magical powers yet, really. Interesting. Right? I I was getting confused with Glinda because they were calling her like Saint Glinda, and yet she's still alive. Usually somebody who's a saint is dead. So I was very confused at that point. But I think it's because of the chunk of time from Shiz and when Alpha like leaves to then when Glinda becomes this like Glinda the good, she becomes mm. like this whole era happens because there was like there's like five different religions happening at once that people mm. are like jumping around with. But yeah, now that she's like with Fierro's widow 
Fierro's kids are terrible. Yeah, they're terrible. Does he ever come back? I thought he, he did. As far as I know, he's dead. As far as I know, he's dead. They just, I just got to a reference of them putting a scarecrow up and they're talking about scarecrows and scarecrow up in a field. And I just got to the point that only Alphaba and Nanny are left in the castle with Lear. Okay. Who also, okay. Spoiler, That's Alphaba's kid, right? Can I spoil it? Yeah. Yeah. Spoil it. Yes. But there was no official information about it because Alpha was like, I was knocked out for a year. I don't know if I gave birth or not. I could have or not known. Who knows? I have no like motherly affection for this child. Come to find out. I'm at the point now. Randomly, they just dropped the, that that's Fierro's bastard's kid. Hmm. And they do it so randomly in one sentence and move on that I'm like, this is why I don't understand what's happening at all half the time. There's no like. Yeah. Proper deli- There's no proper delivery. Yeah. Like at least like in Harry Potter, like Tom Riddle and Voldemort, there's like a good buildup and a proper delivery. <laughs> this is like. We're trying a, people. We're trying. It was a one sentence drop. And I was like, I was literally in the car driving. I was like, oh, okay. So he's, so it's confirmed. He's Furious kid. Great. Moving on. Because I remember when she like, first went to the castle, there was a line that was like, and Lear enters his father's home. See, Did I you catch that? that? Oh, you missed that line? I got that line. That's when I knew she, he was his kid. Uh, it was the end of a chapter when they were going into the castle for the first time. For the time. first time? Yes. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> I, I didn't catch it until Nanny came and like started, because I love Nanny, started like questioning Alphaba about everything. Like, mm. what the hell? Like, what's happened? And then she thought, I was like, is this his kid? Whose kid is this? This is your kid. Yeah, I don't know. It's very intriguing. But this chunk of the book, I enjoy a lot more. That's good. I look forward to it, Ed. I mean, it's the same chunk that you're reading right now, like at the castle. I'm getting there. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, it's tolerable now. It's tolerable. Also, you find out that uh, Turtle Shell was the father's lover and the mother's lover. They shared him. Oh. Which is fine. Live your best life. No shame, no whatever. But I'm just like, that... To me, though, and more of this book is now more tied in to the original Oz novels mm-hmm. than before, because the original Oz novels had tons of queer references and actually promoted queer friendships and partnerships and relationships more in that series, in the writing. Like, that's like huh. L. Frank Baum. Um, and there's actually like a book that like explains all of them. Um, and pretty much, I mean, like Oz has been banned that book, those book series have been banned so many times throughout history because they're so, um, like queer supportive. Huh. I um, didn't know that. Mm-hmm. They, is that, is that banned why a lot? The rainbow is, I mean, I'm ignorant. Is that why? Because you know, it's over the rainbow. Is that where? Yeah. The rainbow symbolism came in. I mean, I'm genuinely curious. I have no clue. I know the term like, uh, are you a, are you, uh, like, are you a friend of Dorothy was a safe phrase. That's how you knew during uh, times if, if you were in a safe place, if you were gay. Huh. And it would be like, are you a friend of Dorothy? And they'd be like, yes. And then you knew that they would protect you and you wouldn't get beat up and arrested. Interesting. 
And then that's where the term like a good Judy comes from, like Judy, like Judy Garland. So it's yeah. like, it's yeah. like, oh, they're my Judy. Like they're a good Judy, like best friends because you're wow. referencing in like the queer and gay culture. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. Hmm. I learned it from the Oz historian TikToks. She's See? so lovely. There you go. There you go. Huh. Um, yeah, she's the one that actually said there's a whole book that literally explains all these uh, queer promotions and queer references and underlining tones and everything else hmm. about and like how um, it was actually in the Oz series, like any heteronormative relationships with minorities and reviewed oddly in Oz. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's just a way to bring like awareness and more like comfortability to all types of people because Oz was supposed to be this utopia. Right. It's yeah, it's not meant to be yeah. our world. Well that's lovely. Mm -hmm. That's nice. We have to end on that note because I have five minutes before I have to go teach my baby's point work. Ooh. My little break one. those little feet. Break They're doing those great. little feet. They're doing really? great. Yeah. We did it right. We did six months of TheraBand, six months of Releves, six months of everything, and all of them are right up. Good. And they're good, 10. Good. So. Oh, wow. That's young. Wow. It's very young. Well, it used to be nine and a half. I would love to push it to. 12, right? 11. 10 or 11. But the culture, that's what the culture. But they're, they're doing fine, actually. They're all, they were all ready. Um, I even had one of my students. Her mom and dad just like had her like go to a physical therapist to like check and see if everything was good. And the physical therapist was like, oh my gosh, you're so strong. You're ready. So, and she was nine and a half the time. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really all about just like making sure people are like, everyone's just set up to succeed, set up correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's all about it though. If you don't have a good foundation or a base, then like, and you just do things even if you can just do things like that's not long lasting. And that also like sadly does trickle down to other things. Yeah. But they're doing well. I teach all point today from four to eight 30. At least point's fun, right? It is fun. And I, it's what I'm most confident in. I know, like I know what I'm doing. I know how to progressively get them there. So. Really? You mm -hmm. think teaching point is like. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have a whole method in my head of how I do it. Is the method the same method that you were trained with, or one kind that, of, or, or just or like just, a version you wish you would have? The version gotten. I wish I would have learned. Okay. Because it's all about like in my head, we do two to two for a while, and once we've mastered two to two, then we do two to one. Actually, then I do PK, and then once we've mastered PK, then we do two feet to one foot, and then once that, then you go to what? So it's like this stage. Mm -hmm. So, but I do have to run. Wants. So, thanks for listening, y'all. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.